With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I want to introduce you to uh, a young man who actually met when he was a baby. Uh, I guess I can't call you a kid anymore, Ezra. <laughs> by a young man by the name of Ezra Freck, uh, who is your, uh, yes, your normal 14-year-old kid, except you don't have a leg. And... Uh, but you're still a normal 14-year-old kid, yeah. and which is what makes uh, this story kind of neat. And so what I want to talk about is not so much your disability, because it's what you've done with it. And that's the important part. So uh, you've spoken at schools, uh, you're a motivational speaker, you're a hell of an athlete. And let's start talking about the games you're going to be involved in. I know you're training for the Paralympics yeah, for yeah, Tokyo. Yeah, 2020, yeah. And, uh, but uh, you're involved right now with uh, Angel City Games presented by the Hartford. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so my dad and I, um, when I was about eight years old, we went to my first ever track meet, and we flew all the way uh, to Oklahoma, tornado alley, tornado season. And really my dad posed the question, like why are we coming halfway across the country to run, jump, and throw stuff. Like, why isn't this happening in L.A.? We have the resources, we have the facility, we have the people, we have the community. Like, why, why isn't this happening in our hometown? And so, from then on, it was a two-year grind to create our first games. And then, ever since then, we've just, we've been grinding since then. And the rest is pretty much history. Uh, so, I assume you're involved, I mean, in creating yeah, the yeah. games. So, what did you do to make all this happen? Um, I mean, uh, me, my, me and my mom run a little committee and we're planning um, a fun run on the Sunday of the games uh, that's open to the public just to get everyone aware of the disabled community and everything that we're doing. Um, but I've, I've just been, I'm blessed to do media and just promote the games like this. So I'm Yeah, really I grateful. can't even go through the list of where and where have you've, where you've been and who you've <laughs> talked to. Uh, but I'm looking at uh, this uh, this list: uh, starting quarterback for your school's flag football team, uh, blue belt <laughs> in karate. Well, okay, yeah. great. So you were six. So yeah. you were six years old at the time. Got it. Uh, but uh, basketball and academy basketball, right? We're not talking about. Like, yeah, I, I played. I played club basketball, but but now um, now that the Paralympics are coming up, I've put all of the extra sports aside and I've just been focusing really hard on track. So, all right. So, uh, the, uh, the games coming up, uh, what, what events are we talking about that are going to be part of the games? Um, we have track and field swimming, wheelchair, tennis, we have archery, wheelchair, basketball, table tennis, and sitting volleyball, a sitting volleyball tournament, which is open to the public. Actually, Abawadi people can compete in that. Um, just a sitting volleyball. But and what does that mean? Sitting volleyball in a wheelchair? It, no, no, no. Sitting volleyball is basically volleyball, except you're sitting. The net is lower, and you have to you have to keep your butt on the ground the whole time. It's so much fun. It's one of my favorite. And do you sports. move? Do you scrape your butt along the ground? Yeah, you move around. You set it. You spike it. It's so much fun. It's does, really does, fun. Doesn't it wear through the pants? <laughs> I mean, if someone has really thin pants, then yeah, I guess. I, I guess it would. Yeah, it's like sandpaper. Uh, this is, um, uh, it's a hell of a story. So let's talk about, uh, and I know you're a motivational speaker, and I, you, I know you speak a lot. Uh, let's talk about how you are disabled and what you were able to do with it. When did you discover that there was some real athletic ability there? Um, I mean, I was really blessed um, that my parents sort of just put me in the mainstream sports since I was young. 
And as I got older, my we began to realize like not every kid, not every person with disability has a chance to do that. There's people in wheelchairs who can't roll up to a gym and play a pickup basketball game, right? They have to have their own community, their own game to be able to play. And so that's where we came in. Like we have so many people in the LA County with a disability. Like why aren't they getting the opportunity to play sports the same way as able-bodied people? And so we've just, and, and, and at the end of the day, it's really not about sports. It's really about providing that community and providing them with the confidence to basically accomplish their goals on and off the court as well. So it's not necessarily about the sports. Um, it's, it's about creating a All right. So uh, without your folks getting involved and your folks are really involved and uh, they deal a lot with it, does any kid actually have a chance? Um, to yeah, to be to do what you do in terms of uh, the Paralympics, training for those, in terms of uh, the Angel City Games presented by the Hartford. Uh, <laughs> I know we have to say that because they're the ones that are poning up a lot of money for this, right? Yeah. So we thank them for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, you come from uh, a middle-class family, uh, maybe a little bit better than that. And so what do kids do when they're just poor? and are unable to do this, don't have the same advantage as you do. Exactly, and that's literally like the reason we created the games because a lot of people with physical disabilities are living in poverty, don't have enough money to even afford the sports equipment. And so we've raised tons of money. We're um, loaning out sports equipment so kids can race in wheelchairs and play in wheelchair basketball chairs. And, and we have a bunch of, um, we're flying out a bunch of people to the games from all over, giving them grants so they can come out and compete. That's cool. Yeah. That really is. Uh, now, you were born mm. without a leg, correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and I noticed that you have uh, your walking leg, uh, that you have your prosthetic leg. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I'm assuming, uh, the Blasto 5000 model, because <laughs> your mom said these are 50 grand. Yeah. I mean, that's a step... <clears throat> I mean, it's just, it's stunning. And this is the one without the this, stereo this without, system, yeah, without, without the, the extra, blade. you know, super suspension without system. The, yeah. yeah, this is your regular uh, leg. Where do, get, where, where do kids get the money for that if they don't have insurance? Um, I mean, it's that's that's a huge struggle, especially um, especially with the blades as well, because if someone wants to get a blade, insurance doesn't cover that. And so, at all? At all. They don't cover the blades. They believe that you should only be able to walk. That having a running blade and being able to run is something excessive. You don't need to have that. Can you run on the on on your leg? Yeah, but it's really difficult. So that's why having a blade is so much more helpful. Yeah, but it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, it is. It's just uh, there's so much to this. There there is a world to this, and uh, you're you know you're quite a guy. I must tell you. So uh, people, you. if people want to know, and and right now the important one is the Angel City Games. Yes. Yes. Uh, where do people get information about this? Um, you can go to the angelcitygames.org to find um, the full list of special events and, and all the stuff that be going on. We have like cookouts. We have a celebrity wheelchair basketball game. We have tons of celebrities, NBA champions, football players. And what are you going to be doing there? Um, I'm going to be competing in the track and field portion of the competition. It's a qualifier for some of the international competitions this year um, and a qualifier for hopefully the Paralympics next year. But um, I got to get a mark. I got to I'm going to get a good mark. Right, so, so can, okay, realistically, now I want you to look in the mirror and tell me, uh, do you have a really good shot at getting into the 2020 games? Yeah, I do. There you go. That's what shot. I wanted to hear. <laughs> you know, even if you fall on your butt, you're still going to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. Ezra, thank you. It's a great story. It really thank you is. So much. Uh, the Angel City Games presented by the Hartford. One more time for the website um, angelcitygames.org. Angelcitygames.org. Uh, Ezra, good luck to you. It's, thank uh, you. It's a great story. I love it. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Uh, here is uh, a, a bit of news, and it's no small uh, news, and that has to do with uh, contempt citation. The House uh, Ways and Means Committee, headed by Elijah Cummings, has just voted to uh, issue a contempt citation against William Barr and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. And why? Because uh, they had asked for documents pertaining to the census question or on the census. Uh, the citizenship question, are you a citizen of the United States? And, of course, that immediately blew up uh, with uh, just tremendous controversy. And the argument is, uh, well, the question is, why are you doing that? I mean, it makes no sense sis, if you are uh, thinking about it, all right? Uh, because uh, the Constitution calls for the counting of uh, Americans, uh, every American— in uh, uh, every 10 years, and I'll go into the original census and what it means and the language, etc. Uh, the Trump administration is saying, we actually are asking the qualifications, we're asking the citizenship question to help the Voter Rights Act, which I've never understood. And those that are opposed to the census question are saying, here is the logic of not putting it in the census. Are you a citizen of the United States? And that is... People who are not citizens or even who are, who are Latino for the most part, will not comply with the mandatory involvement in the census. By law, if uh, you are to be counted, whether or not you're a citizen, you have to be counted. But uh, if you're illegal or you have members of your family who are illegal, then you're going to be underrepresented because you're simply not going to comply. You're simply not going to tell the government. And so with an underrepresentation, that's a very big deal. Why? Because the money that goes, the federal government spends about $800 billion a year on various programs through the states. And I mean everything from school to law enforcement uh, to uh, various pro uh, food program, I mean, all of it. I mean, everything you can think of, every entitlement program you can think of, most of it comes from the federal government. And the, based on the population, that's where the money goes. Also, the districting of uh, Congress people, right? Redistricting. It has to be in population, and that could change dramatically. And so uh, the people who are against, those that argue against it are saying, this is so unfair to the Hispanics who are generally poor. If you look at it statistically, Hispanics are far poorer than whites. And therefore, effectively, it is pure racism. By the way, three courts have upheld that, saying it is racism. And we're not going to allow that census question in. So uh, what you have is Congress saying, all right, we want information. Give us all the documents, the emails, everything relating to why you're putting that census uh, that question in the census just justify asking people whether they're citizens or not and the white house had said uh-uh 
Executive privilege, we're not going to turn that over. And here comes the fight between Congress and the administration. And the Congress saying it's part of its oversight committee. The administration saying this has nothing to do with oversight. This is simply a cheap political move to destabilize uh, the Trump administration and to uh, make sure that uh, its efforts are uh, to uh, make to make sure that the president doesn't get reelected. It's just a straight political shot. So which one is it? Well, I think it's both. I think it's both a cheap political shot. At the same time, uh, there's some real questions about why the citizenship question is put in. Some of it is just, I'd like to know. Wouldn't you? Just, and you can argue in, uh, according to the Constitution, that is a legitimate question. So the census itself, it's really interesting. And that is in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 2. And it has to do with uh, how electors, how representatives are elected and the number of representatives. And it says specifically, it's based on the population right there. The number of people living in East District. So, therefore, we need a census. And uh, it's uh, every 10 years. Right there. The act, And then it talks about the enumeration. Okay, now... Uh, this is the uh, language that I love. The actual enumeration, and then there's some language, shall be made within three years after the first meeting of the Congress of the United States. It's been a few years since then. And within every subsequent term of 10 years. So every 10 years, we have to take a census. So how do we do it? Well, in such a manner as they, the representatives, uh, shall by law direct. It's any way Congress wants to do it. So you would argue that under uh, Congress has the say, not the administration. And that is uh, one of the big questions here. My favorite census was the first census in 1790. To give you an idea of how far we have gone. How you, the founding fathers were terrific. Right? The founding fathers were a bunch of racists, to be uh, honest with you. That's who the founding fathers were. Misogynist, racist, uh, did not particularly trust the electors, uh, did not particularly trust the people, the electorate, and decided senators were going to be voted by the legislature, certainly the president, and the vice president was going to be voted by general uh, the general election. So uh, elitist, racist, misogynist, those are the founding fathers. However, the basis of the Constitution is magic. We're the first democratic republic in the world in modern times. And that says a lot. And it depends on where you take the Constitution, using it as the backbone of uh, the United States, which it is. The first census was taken in 1790. Assistants, assistant marshals went out and took the census, started just counting people, listed the name of each head of household and asked five questions. The first question of which is two parts. Part 1A. The number of free white males aged under 16 years. Part B. The number of free white males aged 16 years or more. Then part two, or number two. 
the number of free white females. Then three. The number of other free persons. And then, of course, critically important, the number of slaves who naturally were not given the right to vote under any circumstances because they were property. But we had to know how many there were. I mean, the census wants to know, so how do you figure this out? Well, they were three-fifths of a white person. So a little bit more than half of a white person. That's the first census. And look where now we have gone, where the census is so important in terms of the number of representative in each district. That comes right from the Constitution. And the amount of money that's being spent, that's just historical. Because the Constitution does not talk about taking the money the U.S. government spends uh, to uh, on various governmental programs, which didn't exist back then. So, uh, I think, incidentally, I'm going to go back. Because remember, we go back to the basis of the Constitution, the strict constructionists, the originalists who believe we have to follow the exact language of the Constitution. Based on that, uh, I'd be interested in knowing the number of free white females versus the number of non-free white females, non-white females, and certainly the number of slaves. That's really important, right? It's fascinating stuff, isn't it? God, I love this. So the bottom line is uh, the question relating to uh, whether or not you are a citizen being asked uh, under the census. I think that's going to disappear. I think the courts are going to say that's illegal. I truly do. All right, now, uh, let's get to our budget. We're about... And this is California, we, well, they, the legislature and the governor, are about to pass a $215 billion budget. And as you know, Gavin Newsom, our governor, who is a whole lot more liberal than was our previous governor, who put the brakes on some of the spending, uh, and our super majority uh, Democratic legislature, they like to spend programs. And we have uh, spending programs, entitlement programs that are going to go well, crazy for a lot of people. Expanding Medicaid, for example, uh, for illegal aliens uh, from uh, 18 or 19 to 26. And are some of them are arguing for all the way up. I mean, everybody gets covered. Medicare for all, effectively. So, as a matter of fact, the budget is called California for All. And what it does is ease the burden on lower income and middle class residents in this very expensive state. And to pay for all that, there will be new fees. Mm-hmm. So who benefits? Now, keep in mind uh, that the people that are going to pay for all of this is you. Or are you? Is that is or are? People are you. Is will probably be you. Certainly, well, yeah, we're all in the same boat. You know, okay, let's, let's pay up. So uh, who gets the benefits? Well, it's not just poor people, but middle class people and sort of anybody who needs the money, the benefits under a very liberal definition of who needs the money. Paid family leave will go from six to eight weeks. That's the deal. 
And uh, lawmakers also propose increasing the pay replacement for the paid family leave. Uh, family leave. It's now 60% of wages. It goes to 90%. Uh, sure, why not? Now, a couple things make absolute sense. Sales tax on diapers and feminine hygiene products. Uh, that makes sense. And that only goes for two years, incidentally, before uh, that one uh, sunsets. And uh, people have been arguing that, uh, female lawmakers particularly, and a lot of it has been arguing, come on, really? I went downstairs to get a sandwich uh, the other day. Uh, we have a sort of a a really good uh, little coffee thing downstairs. Uh, and and I was asked, is this for here or are you going to take it with you? Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, in my building at the surrogacy center, a building. That's where I have it. I always confuse my offices. And uh, I said, I'm, I'm taking it with me. No tax. If you eat it here, there's tax, which I don't know why they wouldn't charge for prepared meals under any circumstances, but uh, they do. So the diaper thing makes all the sense in the world. Uh, the benefits go, of course, to low-income household with kids. And what it does is uh, it gives uh, lower-income families as much as $2,600 a year. Right, that's the earned income tax credit. About three million more households would be eligible for the earned income tax credit. Now, this is where you get a check. It's not you deduct from your taxes; you get a check from the government. That's the tax credit. And Newsom wants to create uh, an additional thousand dollar credit for families under the age of eight. Uh, that is, well, it costs $1.2 billion. All right. Uh, the big undocumented immigrant story. Uh, under the new bill, uh, undocumented immigrants, illegal aliens, under 26 will be eligible for Medi-Cal. And that is the program for low-income people. And uh, uh, that's uh, the medical program. Right now, it's up to the age of 19. They want it up to the age of 26. And uh, there are some rules about how little money you must make. And so they're increasing the bar so you can, you're can you eligible making more money. Uh, affordable health care, and that's a big one. Uh, $1.5 billion over the next three years to help middle-income people afford health insurance. And that raises the bar also. Uh, you can make more money and still be eligible than you do it, uh, than is done now. Uh, and then uh, you've got uh, state payroll tax uh, is uh, going to be used. Well, that's one thing. You have money from reserves, money from the state's payroll tax, and in the end, money from all of us. And if you look at the national players right now, who the, especially the, well, the Democratic uh, candidates for president, there are three ways in which they want to pay, want you to pay for the programs that they want. They want to institute uh, these large public benefit programs. And one of them is just a straight-out tax. We'll take it from people who have the money any way we can. The other one is a small tax. Senator uh, Gillibrand uh, yesterday, there was an interview in which uh, she wanted uh, paid family leave uh, extended uh, enormously. You know, for a longer period of time, more money. 
and she said, we can add $2 a week to your paycheck. So that's, that's less than a cup, a cup of coffee a week, and you can help out so many people. So that's, as she says it's minuscule. Well, it is minuscule on top of all the other taxes. And then the ones that are revenue neutral. We have taxes in place already, and we are going to take the money from existing programs and just move it over. We're going to rob Peter to pay Paul. Well, actually, we're going to rob you to pay Paul. And, I mean, I, I mean, what do you do with this? I think family leave is a great idea. And two bucks is nothing. And a parcel tax of an extra $160 uh, on our uh, property. You know, the, the people that own property. You, me. And so you have $0.12 cents, uh, a gallon extra tax on gasoline that starts July 1st. How much is that going to hurt you? Well, it's a little bit of a hit. But just add all this together, little tiny bits and pieces. And then what do you have? Well, then you have the tip of the barrel that breaks the camel's back. Exactly. That's what you have. You have a, you have a barrel full of camels. And I don't know when it stops. Bernie Sanders was asked as he wants more and more and more income tax. And he was asked, at what point does it, is it no longer sustainable and people can no longer deal with this? He said, I don't know. We'll know it when we see it. Let's just keep raising taxes until we reach that point. So now we've got the porn defense there? Uh, Yeah. Can't define what porn is, but you know it when you see it? Justice Potter. That's exactly it. So it's crazy making. It really is. In the end, California has more money than it's ever had. We're sitting on a $22 billion surplus, and you're going to be paying more taxes. The most taxed state in the union. We have to just double down on that one. All right. Oh, uh, talking about that. LA Unified School District. It's planned to avoid financial ruin for the next three years. LA Unified is going to go broke. And here's the problem. They say they're going to be going broke uh, every year for the last 10 years. Every time there's a budget, we need more money. We need more money. And uh, the legislature is tired of this. We, the electorate, are tired of this. So you had the teacher strike, which just happened. And uh, LAUSD caved saying, okay, we'll give you more money. We'll reduce the the, uh, size of the classrooms. We will um, give you more staff. And this is to the teachers. And, of course, how are we going to pay for it? Well, we have Measure EE. That's going to go to the school, which uh, didn't quite pass. It was slaughtered. I mean, wiped out. That was Plan A. So uh, now they're going to Plan B, which is... Their uh, plan to get money by Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um. Uh. I, well. Uh. Yeah. yeah we're going to get money. Yeah. We're going to get money to pay for all this. And uh, frankly. Uh, people are tired. 
And it looked, well, you know, the bottom line, I've said this over and over again, LA Unified School District cannot be governed. It is impossible. It's the second biggest school district in the United States, getting worse and worse and worse, and it's costing more and more money. Uh, proposed $9.2 billion budget for the upcoming school year. Now, think about that. There are governments in this world that don't have a $9.2 billion budget. And this is one school district that has gone from getting a good education. I went through LA Unified. Marjorie went through LA Unified. She ends up, I mean, every minute, uh, every minute of our schooling, I mean, kindergarten, all through elementary school, junior high, high school, and then Marjorie goes to UCLA. And I go through the entire thing. Kindergarten, elementary school, junior high, high school. And I didn't go to UCLA. Not even close. But I am literate, sort of. Sort of, kind of. And we've reached a point now where if anybody can afford it, anybody, their kids go to private school. And I know people that are not putting dinner on the table because the kids have to go to private school. Because LA Unified is so bad. And they need so much money. And they're not going to get it. And it's going to be even worse. And so they have to figure out a way. uh, And the city of Los Angeles has to figure out a way. How are we going to get more money? Well, how do you think we're going to get more money? Uh, Oh, I don't know. See, this is is the year in which we're never going to have more money. Probably. The state is awash in money, $21 billion surplus. Federal government is bringing in uh, more, second biggest year on record to bring in money in revenue. And we're going to be at a trillion dollar deficit this year. I mean, our governments, our school districts are living way, way, way beyond their means, beyond our means. But there's an answer. Yemen. Yemen. You can get housing very cheap in Yemen. All right. uh, Granted, there aren't many roads or electricity uh, or sanitation or potable water. I get that. Other than that. Other than that, you're not going to pay these kinds of taxes. That's for sure. And you're certainly not going to pay taxes for the school districts. Mainly because there aren't any. But I tell you, a lot of people are very, very upset. And I'm one of those people. I'm looking, having been here most of my life, I moved here to Los Angeles when I was five years old. And going, yeah, please. We've got to do better than this. You know, I would run for the legislature, but I couldn't get elected uh, if someone stuck a gun to your head. All right. We are about to, well, actually not we, uh, the legislature here in California and the governor about to pass a budget of $215 billion. So the homelessness issue, of course, is at the forefront. We, that's all of us, have gone from homelessness being the guy at the corner going, uh, hey, buddy, do you have some change? Do you have any spare change? As you know what I do. I reach in my pocket and I jingle uh, the coins in my pocket. And I go, yes, I do. And then I just keep on walking. Uh, so all the way from that to helping people out to being part of organizations that do help the homeless. Well, obviously, we're on a whole different level now. All right. Homelessness has become one of the primary issues. And tons of money is being spent. 
So, at this point, about a billion dollars in California state money is going to be spent. We've never had that kind of money. And the big issue now is $650 million earmarked for local governments beginning July 1. And uh, this is all going to be decided, uh, well, the deadline is Saturday for the budget to be voted in. Now, here's the fight. The fight is, obviously, everybody wants money. But the big fight that we haven't been talking about is between the cities and and the counties. Right now, the program, most of the money, or actually all of the money, the $650 million earmarked for local government, goes to the state's 13 largest cities or regional agencies known as, quote, continuums of care, which coordinate services. It doesn't go to the county. And that is a huge fight. Now, we in Los Angeles, the city... Uh, receive the largest share of the $650 million pot because we have the most homeless. It's a question of numbers, of course. I think I'm going to sneeze. Mm-hmm. Hold on. God, I hate when that happens. You know that? It'll catch up with me in just a moment. Last year, the city received $85 million in state dollars to combat homelessness. Now, keep in mind, we're already talking about uh, the city spending in the hundreds of millions of dollars on its own. And then federal money that's coming in, and that doesn't count uh, donation money that's coming in from federal agency, from uh, from various agencies, and of course big donations from foundations. You put all that together, and you have some pretty serious money. Is it going to help? Not particularly. You know, I mean, they're going to build three units that are going to cost more money than any developer has ever spent on the most expensive high-rise condo in Beverly Hills, but. Homeless people will have a shot at it. And this is all because of, number one, the fact that politically homelessness has become a big issue. The number of homeless people has surged. I mean, 12% in L.A. County. So we now have, uh, what, 59,000 people that are homeless. Same thing across the state. Double-digit percentage increases in number of homeless. So at this point... Uh, the county, and the counties and the cities are screaming like crazy. Uh, Sacramento Mayor uh, Daryl Steinberg said, hey, cities on the, are on the front line of hopelessness and have a proven track record of success. And when you think about this, most homeless people, of course, live in the cities. And who is best apt to deal with homelessness in, in their community more so than cities? I mean, L.A. County deals with uh, out in Lancaster. And there may be a a fair number or a small number of homeless. You ever gone to Skid Row? You ever been downtown L.A.? I mean, the developments there are all cardboard refrigerator boxes. Oh, no, it's tents now. Have you noticed, and I go down there occasionally, uh, just, you know, to see what's going on, because obviously I do what I do for a living, and I'd like to stay in touch. And uh, it's it's gone from boxes to tents. Been a huge influx of tents over the years. That's what my sister-in-law, who's out here from Georgia, never been to California, th- this much of it anyway. And that's what she kept saying. There are tents everywhere. I can't believe there these tents. Who are these people in these tents? Campers. How do they allow these people to Camp- be in these tents? Campers. I know. 
It's uh, And where else are they going to go? That's the problem. With 59,000 homeless people in the county, where are you going to put them? I overheard her talking to uh, somebody that she was calling back east to talk about, you know, her trip or whatever. That's what she talked about. She didn't talk about the Hollywood sign. She didn't talk about pinks. She didn't talk about any of the Griffith Observatory. The tents. Yep. All right. There is a paradox going on. Incidentally, a paradox, of course, two medical professionals uh, in the world of uh, medical and recreational marijuana. And that is, and this makes sense, but I want to throw some figures at you because there's people that are in a lot of trouble with this. And as uh, medical marijuana is already in place. And so what ended up happening? People who had uh, legitimate medical problems, of course, have been using marijuana for years. Glaucoma and pain and uh, uh, nausea to deal with nausea because uh, cancer, chemotherapy. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why medical marijuana has been around. And of course, uh, a lot of states went to medical marijuana. And then a few states then moved over to recreational marijuana, like California. I think Colorado was the first one. You have Washington, uh, certainly California, and a few other states. But you know what's happened? Is people are no longer buying medical marijuana. Because you don't need to get a medical marijuana card. And it's just too easy to walk into a pot shop and get recreational pot. And that's what's ended up happening. So... Uh, the cost of medical marijuana has exploded, whereas the cost of recreational marijuana has, in fact, decreased. Why is the cost of medical marijuana so expensive? Well, it's because there were growers, and they were very specific. Medical marijuana is not you just grow a bunch of pot. I mean, it's very specific stuff. These were people that knew what they were doing. They were sold by people who knew what they were doing. That's all gone. So the few that are left, the prices become astronomical because it's now recreational. And when you go into a recreational pot, oh, man, a pot shop, a dispensary, have you ever gone to one of those? I mean, it is hilarious. You got the surfer dude. You got the pothead behind the counter, uh, the long hair, uh, Hey, man, uh, you know, I'm looking for some pot to help me sleep. Oh, yeah. There's the, uh, the sleepy creepy over there. Now, just go pick it up. Uh, well, I, I've got some pain, uh, and it's not, let's talk about it. Where? How did you get it? Uh, I've got nausea. Why? Uh, because of chemo, because of some other issue where you had people know what they're doing. Now it's, eh, yeah, yeah, try this. Uh, the expertise is gone because uh, everybody, even people who, have med- who use medical marijuana have gone over the re- recreational side. And uh, so it's just gotten so expensive. There's the massive exodus of medical marijuana patients when they legalized uh, recreational pot. And I, the one, it's sort of a uh, this contra- uh, counterintuitive where the chicken or the egg. And that is because you move over to the recreational, then the pot on the medical side gets up. The pot on the medical side starts costing more than you move over to the medical uh, marijuana. 28,000 medical patients, uh, they're figuring in California, struggling to afford the medical marijuana products. And uh, uh, 10 states have both. Uh, Four of them, Oregon, Nevada, Colorado, Alaska, have a a combination of the recreational marketplace and data on medical patients. And every one of them 
saw a huge drop in medical patients after the broader legalization. And number one, because uh, now you've got the pot pot shop around the corner. And two, the availability is history. We don't keep uh, track. Uh, We don't keep data on medical patients. But uh, those who do use it say uh, the community has been in a total turmoil. And so on the one hand, you've got a a lack uh, of medical marijuana. And on the other hand, you've got a glut of recreational marijuana. That's the other thing no one expected. I mean, this thing with marijuana has been turned on its head. The states thought they would make a fortune uh, with the taxes. That hasn't happened. The taxes are so high that the black market stuff, the stuff that we used to smoke without the legalization, that has exploded because it's half the price. We thought the legal stuff would be cheaper than the illegal stuff and the illegal stuff would disappear. It's the other way around. I mean, it's kind of nuts. My daughter took me to uh, one of these recreational uh, marijuana dispensaries. That's how come I know about it uh, because uh, she smokes. And, uh, hey, come on, Dad. I don't smoke particularly. It's not, it's not a value judgment kind of thing. I'm just not a happy camper. I'd much rather overeat uh, than uh, smoke. Although you would think the two would be combined, wouldn't you? And it's, I can tell you, it's a real experience going to uh, one of these dispensaries. Really, just the security alone. You think you're going into Fort Knox. All right. Now, let's finish up with how much money a top gamer can earn. And, uh, you know, at first I'd be stunned by this, except uh, my daughter games. And it's really weird. Uh, The top gamers, and there's just, it's rarefied air. The top anything make a lot of money, obviously. But uh, the... What makes this sort of interesting is these young, young people make just buckets of money. There's one called uh, Lupo, Benjamin Lupo, $15,000 an hour broadcasting to nearly 3 million people. When you talk about $15 an hour, I mean, he talks, uh, this is 8, 10 hours. It isn't just, here you go, I'm working one hour a day. And they follow him on the live streaming platform. Twitch is what my daughter Pamela uses and... Uh, He said it took him two full years of streaming 40-plus hours a week, working his regular job and then going full-time and making more money than you could ever imagine. So five years ago, the gaming industry was half of what it is today, uh, over 43, oh, actually almost $44 billion in revenue in 2018, and the experts say that's going to double. Uh, There's one Twitch streamer, the top one, uh, Ninja Blevins, uh, said he made $10 million last year playing uh, Fortnite, one of the online games, and no one is refuting that. No one. And uh, so you've got some big, big money, and this is just the start. And here is the part that I didn't know that now I'm very familiar with. Three ways uh, these these gamers or Twitchers Uh, The ones that are live streaming platforms. That's not counting the sports guys. It's not counting the people that do analysis and you watch them play. This is uh, people that are just playing and people just watching them while they're playing live. And so there's in-stream ads in which uh, companies pay big dollars now. And you've got donations and paid subscriptions. So my daughter... She's uh, on Twitch, and if you want to follow her, she's 
uh, prettypoison105 at twitch.tv or at Twitch. And she is prettypoison105. You can look it up. And she earns money. And I go, oh, where are you getting your money? She goes, oh, people just donate. What do you mean they donate? Is it, what, you're starving? Is that it? You're on the corner asking for food? And, oh, no, no, no. It's just, yeah, yeah, people just donate. So she's sitting on a $300 gaming chair. I go, hey, you, you bought a chair. No, no, one of my viewers bought me the chair. I go, well, what are you, what are you talking about? So that's one, the donation click button. The other one is paid subscribers. She has a, a few of those, and that's growing. And ads, which she doesn't have enough uh, subscribers yet, or she doesn't have enough viewers uh, where she can sell ads. And the other thing that she gets is free food. Every night, DoorDash comes up, you know, on the door, ring, ring. Hi, this is DoorDash. What do you mean? We didn't order any food. Oh, this is for Pamela. I go, what do you mean it's for Pamela? And so I call Pamela, and she's upstairs gaming, of course, uh, because I have no idea, you know. I don't even know when she comes home. Uh, she disappears for two days, or she'll come home and say, hi, Mom, hi, Dad, I'm going to work. And she goes upstairs, and we don't see her for three days, uh, except when she comes down when the food arrives. And uh, what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm having food. One of my viewers is sending me food because they know I like Mexican food or I like uh, IHOP food or whatever. Uh, how do they even know what to order? Oh, I have a list of restaurants I like and uh, the plates, you know, the food that I like. Every night there is another meal that comes to the door. I just, I don't understand this at all. I, I guess they have to. It's just a new, you know, it's a, it's a new model that I didn't get. I mean, a lot of people don't understand how this works. You know, how do I stand here and be a complete a-hole or sit here and make money doing it? Explain that one to me. Uh, Handle and the Morning Crew, we're back again tomorrow starting at 5 with Wake Up Call. Jennifer, I come aboard at 6. And then this guy over here uh, also has a show. This is KFI AM 640. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.